Yo, it's the Raji Rabbit and Friends Podcast. Welcome back to the Raji Rabbit and Friends Podcast. We're just kicking it right off surprise gorilla uh, <laughs> style right now, my oh. man. Oh, James Guffey in the building right now. What up? What up? What's happening? One of my awesome friends. I know him through uh, Trabajos, some Tra- jobs. That's Spanish for jobs, in case you're listening on the East Coast. <laughs> and Oh, they know they got they got Spanish speakers out there, too. I guess they the Midwest. You better know Spanish. The Midwest <laughs> is where, where it would be, I guess, if they don't know a lot of Spanish. Because um, they have, like, what? It's Puerto Ricans, more Puerto Ricans out there on the yeah. East uh, yeah, and Cubans. There's Spanish speakers everywhere, man. It's, I mean, yeah. You We're in California. Sp- you speak Spanish, right? I speak a little bit, yeah. Yeah. My dad's fluent. Yeah? Yeah. Dude, that's that's cool, man. I, I wish I could speak Spanish. i part Mexican. I just don't speak Spanish. Yeah. I, I'm, try- I, I'm trying to learn. I learn a little bit, you know. Yeah. I, I pick up things here and there. and uh, I don't know. One day I will take the time to really immerse myself. But for now, I just... I just don't worry about it. As long it. as you know, you know, you just got to know your por favors and uh, yeah. you're good. Cuidado. Cuidado. Con cuidado. Danger. So it's me, James Guffey, and my boy Peter Barker. Peter Barker getting <laughs> in on the action. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you hear any random barking or strange sounds, that's Pete. Lamp, could could la- be me too, though. Lampshade <laughs> Pete. Oh, there he comes. On the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> what? That's hilarious. All right, we are good to go. So, James Govey, you have an interesting story. Or at least I, I think that it's pretty interesting. Your, um, you have a background in recording, like yep. actual recording, actual recording, as opposed to fake recording. Yes, like. <laughs> you know, serious. Like, so it's like studio time stuff. You've seen yep. some big studios. Yep. Where did you work before in the past? Um. Well. Let's see. the The majority of my work was done in Santa Monica, California, uh, at Interscope Records. They have their own studio in house there, so I did a lot of work out of there. Um, done a couple sessions at Record Plant, uh, a couple other just random studios around LA. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, what you do when you are recording people? That's called it being an audio engineer. Correct. When you're recording, yeah, I guess audio engineer, but more specifically a uh, recording engineer. Recording which, engineer, yes. Because I, I guess you guys, if it's a super big studio, there's guys there that just plug in wires. Uh, yeah, totally. That, so that would have, be an audio engineer, correct? Uh, well, that's actually the assistant engineer. Assistant engineer. So audio engineer is really more of just like a blanket term that you can use for anybody that does anything to do with audio. Oh, and uh, you know you can get more specific from there. So if you're recording, then uh, you're a recording engineer. If you know you don't, basically, once you graduate from the recording engineer, you move to uh, mixing engineer. That's when you're no longer recording the artists. You're getting their sessions after they've been recorded. Nice. Did you do that too? Um, not on the same level. I've been doing that freelance wise since yeah for about seven years. But, oh, that's uh, cool. But as far as like professional mixing engineers it's a pretty small pool of guys that have been doing it forever so. right right man uh but you know you you told me i remember we were having lunch one time back when i first met you man uh 
Well, first of all, before we get to that weird story, because there's really awesome stories here that you got, uh, but I don't want to jump right to some of the some of the exciting stuff. <laughs> got to keep them around. Yeah, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to hold on to that one. But you, you, okay, what made you get into recording, and how old were you when oh. you started getting in? Uh, okay, so, I mean, everybody loves music. I guess not everybody, but I love music, you know, just mm-hmm. like the majority of people from a young age listening to music. I didn't get involved in actually producing my own music until high school. Um, when a friend of mine who was producing and rapping for himself approached me and was just like, um, basically, you're cool, I like your perspective on things, and I'm sick of doing this by myself, so you want to try and write a verse. Nice. So basically started rapping in high school. Is nice. I initially got started. Well, how far did that go along? Because uh, you, you did eventually go out to release your own uh, music. Yeah. Uh, was he in that group? Uh, yes. We're 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 jumping large gaps of time, oh, but yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's not jump super far. So after you start recording, uh, I guess very small, like in the house. Oh, type totally. Things. Bedroom had no idea what I was doing. Okay. At that point, I wasn't even recording. My friend was doing all the recording. I was literally just writing and rapping. Oh, nice. So that's that's how I got my feet wet. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, there was a. Well, I guess I should say we, uh, as two high school kids, we did kind of a lot. And we're talking about, you know, early 2000s. So digital recording was around, but it wasn't what it is today where everybody has recording equipment at home. Right. Like people didn't know that you could record yourself at home at the time. Like my boy was pretty far ahead of the, pretty far ahead of the curve. Nice. You know, 2001 or whenever it was we were doing this. So you know, we ended up doing a five-song EP. We pressed it up, went to Disc Makers, sold them out of the trunk. Nice. Paid for our beer in high school. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> How many copies? Uh, Are think, out there circulating? Uh, we, uh, we, I think about 200. We sold nice. about 200 CDs. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, pretty far from platinum, but... Uh, <laughs> hey man that's but wood we were local celebrities you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah man nothing wrong with that i i, I remember I, I put out some independent mm-hmm. stuff before like straight up yeah you know burning them yourself and yep. just getting it out there and selling it and doing small shows do you guys do shows um we did a couple small shows like i said we were in high school so we couldn't get into any clubs or anything right, like that right. so we did uh you know new year's new year's eve parties and just random nice. random things like that cool you do you kind of wish that you're uh uh looking back on it that your first project could have came out now because now you mean fuck you can make a you can make a a a dope music video on your iphone you know (laughs) what i mean the iMovie on the iphone's pretty tight that's true uh no i i I wouldn't change anything personally i i think i think uh going through that process and all of the labor that it took us to make it gave me Mm -hmm. a greater appreciation for what you know what goes into creating something right so you know, I try and take that into now that things are a lot more accessible, I'm still putting in more work. I'm trying to be creative in how I'm doing things. Yeah. Like, I just have that work ingrained in me. Nice. Like, almost to a fault where, you know, sometimes you'll have an idea going and it's super simple and dope and you just need to let it go. I like sometimes will overproduce stuff and yeah. I just feel like it can't be that easy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. Like, yeah. If it's too easy, I'm like, no, nah, I did something wrong. Which, right. You know, something we're just old, I guess. Got to get over that and just roll with what comes. Man, yeah, it's it's weird. You can every artist can kind of see their own uh, miss, like bad brush strokes. Yeah, you know, for so sure. It's it's something you just got to get get over with it and 
push it out there. Right. But um, wow. So so okay. So you go through the first project. You write. You you rap. Yep. Which is awesome. Uh, and uh, you get it out there. You some local celebrity type thing. You yep. know the neighborhood knows you totally. And um, that's a two man group, right? Two man group. Where yep. did you go from there? Um, from there, there was quite a hiatus. I mean, we graduated high school. He and I went separate ways. I think he went to college in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually moved to San Diego after high school for a little bit. Oh, where bit. are you from? I'm from Riverside originally. Oh, Riverside, Riverside, California? Yeah. Cool. But after high school, I moved down here with a friend and basically, you know, worked at a restaurant and pretended like I was in college and partied with my friends that were actually in college. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Um, That's the cheapest way to go to college. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just show up at the party? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, cause you can buy like college shirts at like the stores. Right. I was looking at like, I think I was at a CVS <laughs> and I saw hilarious. like a, like a STSU shirt. It's just, like, that's a genius move camouflage. right there, dude. It's San Diego yeah. camouflage. Just put that on and show up at a party. Like, yeah. It's ready to rage. Nice. Um, so yeah, when I moved down here, I actually started making music with another friend of mine and we were at that point, that's when I transitioned into production more so than, than rapping. We were, um, yeah, basically just making beats. My friend uh, plays guitar. I kind of taught myself how to play keys. So together we were just banging out instrumentals. And those, nice. that's kind of where I started, you know, that's when I started honing my production skills. Nice. Um, those beats never saw the light of day. Like there's a, probably a handful of people that ever heard any of that stuff. Yeah. But it was still like at the time, you know, I would only be listening to the music that we were making and just uh-huh. like, yeah. It was crazy. Good, like, cool stuff. Fun time. Huh? Yeah. 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 Um, and then from there, I'm going to jump, hop, skip, and a jump since we're so trying we to keep this about music. So Time machine. <laughs> there's, yeah, there was a, you know, a two-year period in between there where I just got caught up in life and stuff. Um, uh, what's, hold on. What's life? Eh? We, we can <laughs> dip that? off into life for a second. We make <laughs> a pit stop in life. So what oh, happened man. that made it a two-year between Okay. So, man, a lot of things happened in that two-year period, to be honest. So I, I, I'll try and make it as brief as possible. Well, we have an unlimited amount of time. On yeah, the but, you know, people don't want to listen to two hours about my life. No, they do. Story. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> they want to hear everything. They want to hear how you spent, like, your life savings on lottery tickets or whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, fortunately, I didn't do that. Um, no, uh, my friend that I initially started making music with, his name's Matt, Matt Kipper. Um, and I guess if we're going to be telling my music story, he's going to come in and out a lot because we've done a lot of collaborating. Um, his dad passed away oh, man. while he was away at school in uh. Jersey, um, which led him to make the decision to move closer to home, to be closer to mom's and help yeah. her out with the whole, yeah. you know, life transition there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he hit me up again and was like, you know, I want to go to L.A. and try and do the music thing. Yeah. So, you know, I was living in San Diego with really nothing holding me down at the time. Uh-huh. So just like for sure. Moved right. to L.A. Um at that point, I think uh, he got the first internship at Interscope when we nice. moved to L.A. So he was interning there, like, in the publicity department, which oh, cool. at the time was, like, you know, we were 20, 20 years old, probably. Uh-huh. So an, yeah, inter- an internship at Interscope at 20 is, like, God body stuff. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, we were just making music and you know living i had a job let's see when i moved out there my first job was delivering groceries 
So I don't know if you've ever heard of Yummy, Yummy.com or Pink Dot. It's basically uh-huh. a grocery delivery service. Okay. So I was literally delivering groceries in Hollywood yeah. and making beats like when yeah. I got off like all damn night. That's dope. You should have put like some beats in like uh, grocery bags. Right. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> dropped them. I'm like, what's this? Oh, uh, I had all I had all my hopes in the fact that my boy was interning at Interscope, and I knew that I was going to be just a world famous person yeah. at that point. You know, nice. What I mean? um, long story short, he and I had a little bit of a falling out. Um, don't want to go into too much detail. Right. There. Of course not. Yeah. We had a falling out. I ended up leaving because we couldn't couldn't mm-hmm. be living in the same spot anymore. Yeah. And. Uh, Moved back to Riverside, moved in with my parents. Uh, it's always a humbling experience. Yeah. At the time, you know, I was still, like I said, 20 years old. So yeah. it's not that bad to be living with your parents at no, 20. No, but no, after no. having lived on your own, it's like, uh Yeah, it's a step back. Right, exactly. And uh, back in Riverside, basically just got whatever work I could find. I worked at a warehouse, Big Five distribution center, basically. Just like shipping shoes all around the country to Big Fives, basically. Hmm. I did that for six months or so until um, I had a lady friend of mine who was studying abroad in Spain who asked me to come visit uh, because I was living with my parents and working all the time. I had a bunch of money, so I was like, sure, I'll come. Requested the time off at work. They denied my request. So I just booked my ticket and told them the day of. I was like, I'm out, not coming back. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, went to Spain. Had a great time. That was awesome. Uh, if you have not traveled by yourself somewhere that you're not comfortable, I highly recommend you do it. It's a very, uh, uh, what's the word? Strengthening. Yeah. <laughs> you, will, you will feel a lot more comfortable doing anything if you can go to, I flew to Paris by myself and caught a train to Spain. Don't speak a lick of French. At the time, I spoke very little Spanish. So trying to navigate cities in Europe with no help was a daunting task. And this, and this is before iPhone, exactly, GPS and all exactly. that. Exactly. No smartphone, none of that stuff. Yeah. So I was mapping it out beforehand, you know, hoping I didn't miss the train, all that fun stuff. Good Lord. Yeah. So uh, the way back from there is where this is all leading to, is coming home from Spain, caught the train, and in Europe, they have, like, overnight trains. So I caught, like, a red-eye train, basically, mm-hmm. where you're not sitting in a seat. You're actually laying down so wow. you can, like, sleep on the train. So I slept on the train, woke up as we arrived at the station, just feeling kind of, you know, rushed because I got to get off this train and go catch a flight now. Yeah. Um, and in that rush, uh, left my cell phone on the train. Ugh. So that's, like, strike one. I'm like, all right, I don't have a phone now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they eventually cancel my original flight because they had engine failure on the plane. So I'm sitting on the plane for about four hours. And well, then they're like, a good thing they canceled it. Yeah, yes. absolutely. You wouldn't want to get up. Um, so the airline paid for a night in Paris for me. So nice. I got to stay at a hotel downtown Paris. Nice. I took that opportunity, you know, as a 20 year old to go down to the bar because you're allowed to drink at 18 there. So yeah. went down to the bar and talked to whoever I could talk to. I just remember like this great multicultural thing, you know, cause it was a bunch of people that were on my flight. Obviously I'm in Paris, so they're not all Americans. Yeah. So I, I have a vivid memory of sitting down at a table and talking to like a Frenchman and a Lebanese guy at the same time having drinks. So, nice. Great memory. Uh, I drank too much because I missed my flight the next morning. Golly. <laughs> 
Yeah, and uh, they did not want to put me up in a hotel again that night. Yeah, that's your fault. So, yeah, totally my fault. Well, yeah, my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Blame it on the alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because of that, I had a 24-hour wait until the next flight. Um, And it was at that time that my bank decided to shut off my debit card because I hadn't alerted them that I was going to be traveling. Oh, my God. Before (laughs) cell phones and rampant internet everywhere. Yep, yep. Your bank. My bank cut off my card because there was a bunch of activity in Europe. I didn't tell them. And, yeah, they it was fraud fraud protection, basically. Yeah. I didn't have my cell phone. So, you know, basically the cash that I had in my pocket was all I had to get me through that 24 hours in the airport. Oh, my God. So I had 24 hours. So I, could, I really could have, like, walked around the city and tried to figure it out. But I was like, nah, I don't want to, like, get lost in the city and yeah, then have was, that on my hands. Yeah, so, yeah, your options were running out there. So my 24 hours in Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> that was a life-changing experience for sure. Yeah. What'd you do? You just um, it with my with my last cash, I bought a burger because they had a McDonald's in there. Nice. Little little slice of home. Yeah. And they had an international version of the double double XL magazine. I bought. <laughs> that, that was what I spent with my last year. Did it have boobs in it? No, no boobs. Oh, man. Yeah, but I love it, international well, versions. Usually, there's boobs. Yeah. <laughs> No boobs that I remember. What I do remember is seeing an ad for Full Sail, which is, uh, you know, it's a pretty well-known audio school. Yeah. And yeah, it's great in Florida, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was, you know, getting ready to come back from this awesome trip, but I was coming home to no job, no yeah. nothing. You know and I mean? a lot of your funds have probably been exhausted. Oh, gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Go on. Coming home broke with nothing to look forward to. So yeah. uh, I saw that ad and was just like, oh, like I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Nice. So, yeah, that whole thing led up to me eventually finding the way in which I was going to take my music production seriously and mm-hmm. pursue it as a career. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I eventually ended up going to Los Angeles Recording School. It was closer. Uh, less expensive, yeah. All that fun stuff, but nice. It was that full sale article. Nice. Now you drank in a bar, mm-hmm. um, and because in in Europe you can drink it under twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of countries you don't have to wait till you're twenty one. So I've heard a couple of versions of this. I heard some people that are from there um, say, you know, it's great because you get to learn how to handle your shit right. earlier on. So if you do have a bad experience with alcohol, you get it away when you're young. And then maybe, you know, you don't have the power to do other things, sure. you know, so you can't just like get super wasted and then spend all your 401k money, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, it's, it's like do. more, it's a good time to be irresponsible. Right. So do you agree that their drinking age should be 18 or are you like a fan of the 21? No, I'm absolutely, a, I think it should be lower. I think 21 is too high. I, I, yeah. I think it's yeah. ridiculous. I mean. I understand people's aversion to it. They're worried these kids are young and immature, and there is that 16 to 18 range where they are allowed to drive. And if you have that going on, I understand the dynamic of yeah. of worrying about that. But I mean, there's irresponsible people that are 40 years old, you know, yeah. what I mean? and like there's a lot of very mature people that are 18 years old. Yeah, and I mean. Really, like the one thing that really puts it over the edge for me is that you can enlist in the service at 18 here. So, like, yeah, you're telling me that this 18 year old kid is old enough to make a decision to go fight and die or kill other people. Same, yeah, you know what I mean? To, to risk his life and yeah. possibly take other lives, but 
but you won't trust him with the responsibility of having a beer. Like, yeah. That's that's the one that I'm yeah. just like, you can't. Yeah. Justify. I mean, I kind of always had that same uh, argument too, where, you know, um, you know, there you, yeah, you can totally choose to smoke cigarettes or, right. you know, and yeah. So, but, but cool. So I, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. So you get the you get the magazine you you see the full sale it's kind of probably stood out to you for some reason hit you you have yeah. one of those moments life totally. moments the light shone down yeah. and everything <laughs> you're like this is it a little moment of clarity and you get home you go to that school in L A now you get out of that school how easy was it to transition from an audio school to actually working in the audio field did they help you any or was it kind of like thanks for your money have a good time. They, I, my situation was different than the average situation. Uh, like I mentioned before, my friend uh, had already secured an internship at Interscope when he and I were living together. By the time I got back from that trip and was going to school, our little beef had been water under the bridge. So, you know, we got back in contact. Mm-hmm. Um, part of Los Angeles Recording School, at least when I was going there, it's probably changed since. But part of the education was a 200-hour internship. Um, and for me, because I had an in at Interscope, I interned at Interscope while I was going to school. Nice. So, um, I, once I graduated, um, I literally, because my friend at that point, my friend was no longer intern and he was actually had a position there. Um, and he gave me the email, direct email to the studio manager there. Nice. So. You know what I mean? Not everybody has that. For me, right. I did transition fairly quickly into an actual studio gig yeah. out of school. But it's half half kicking ass and, you know, taking you, this uh, education seriously. But yeah. the other half, which is equally important, is the networking aspect. You, you earned it. Sure. But there was also, there's also uh, you know, a degree of luck involved. Right. Of course, I but I think luck always mixes in there. Sure, you know yeah. it always mixes in there. But I think you pull that luck into your Absolutely. environment by putting in the work. So it's weird. It's like you get some luck points. Yeah. The more you, uh, like if it was a role playing game or something, right? You know what I mean, You're like yeah. working, working, grinding, grinding, yeah. grinding. Experience points goes up, and you get a couple dashes of luck. You know <laughs> totally. what I mean? Totally. And, and, and you know, and it, when those stars align, it's it's there. Yeah, it's exactly. Dope. And I mean, you can make up for a lot of bad luck with, you know just grit and determination but right. at the same point at the same time those points from luck do <laughs> do play a factor those things in at the right time <laughs> right man yeah I'd buy, you know sometimes uh, i don't buy lottery tickets because i'm like i don't know do i want to waste my luck right now <laughs> might, you know i might win 10 bucks but you know maybe i i missed you know right finding a hundred or right. saying hello to somebody right. i, I could have uh, said hello to you know right you know it's it's nuts yeah super nuts it's always weird when when the little random things happen you know yep for sure but uh so when you you so you got there you're actually becoming a paid worker in uh so i interned also in the publicity department while i was going to school Um, once i finished school i emailed the studio manager um with my resume let him know i just finished school let him know that you know i had already interned in the building so i was familiar with how the building worked already so for him it was kind of a an easy hire if he needed somebody yeah and when he did need somebody i was the first person he called because nice. of that experience that i had nice. um, but the position that i got was not glamorous by any means what was so, it uh runner studio runner so um what is a studio runner yeah i was gonna say if you're not, if you're not into studio uh 
about that life. About that life. <laughs> about that, if you're not about that life, <laughs> you might not have heard of studio runners. Studio runners are uh, they're paid servants, basically, mm-hmm. is one way to put it. Basically, they their main job is to make coffee and get food for people. I call them like gophers sometimes. Sure, sure. Yeah. That is that's like, straight like, up. Yeah, that's straight up what the position is. Though nice. you're there to go get food and get food, get coffee, take you out know. the trash. Yeah, you know, they don't have. Well, yeah. actually, at that building, they did have janitors, but most yeah. studios don't even have. So, janitors. but that's good. That's like earning your keep. That's earning your dues. Yeah. So, I mean, so here you are, your gopher now, your studio runner. Yep. And what um what do you see? I mean, you know, because you're a runner, there's got to be like something that kept you motivated to say, okay, well, shit, I'm doing this now, yeah. but I'm I'm running the trash out, or I'm going to get food for this guy. What was your oh my god moment? Like, I'm actually getting a burger for this guy. Did you have that? <laughs> uh, like, I mean, over and over again, very, like in very quick succession at that studio. Um, it's a record label, obviously, Interscope Records, um, and it's kind of unique in that sense that that their studio is in the record label building so yeah. i got i don't think i ever actually got starstruck because i'd been around la for a long time and mm-hmm. i know that celebrities are just regular people you know right but um, there's got to be someone that you just say, oh my gosh like, the, I my, like oh my, this is my life when you my, go home at the end of the right. day okay so that didn't happen when i was a runner that happened after um I made friends with an artist that had a development deal with Interscope. Uh, basically, I I actually I basically DJed for her at her dance rehearsals. Oh, cool! Um, made friends with her, and she invited me to like an industry party. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weird thing about this is, this industry party was at a private club that was like across the street from Interscope. Yeah, that I technically kind of worked at because it was. The studio at Interscope and the club at Interscope are kind of the same department, if you will. Huh. So I showed up to work with a artist, not yeah. knowing not knowing what I was there for, and it turned out to be Quincy Jones' seventy fifth birthday. Whoa! Right. So that that was that was the this is my life shit. When, wow! Did you, you see know. him? Yeah, yeah. Did it's a small him? club. Uh, I shook his hand. Yeah. Didn't. I mean, what are you gonna say to him? Hey, man. Can I go get you some ice cream or something? Not that awesome powers, yo. No. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was like, that was the star-studded event where I looked around and was just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I can can cuss on podcasts, right? You can fucking cuss all you want. (laughs) Yeah. Just making sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Quincy yeah. Jones birthday party. Quincy Jones, yeah. So you, you know, do you have do you have playground Marilyn session? Manson, P Diddy? Do I have who? Oh Play- yeah, actually I do. You I do. do? Oh, nice. Session. Still supporting. Shout Q. out to Quincy. That's Still supporting Quincy. Playground that's session. Dude. That's the dude. Learn how to play piano or at least a lot of songs, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to show you this program I got. It's called Synthesia. It's pretty cool because you only pay for it once or whatever. I think the other one's like a monthly, right? Uh, I I got a lifetime thing with them. Do you? But uh, I needed to jump. I think I missed that opportunity, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but I like this other one anyway. So uh, that's a cool program. Check it out if you want to learn how to play piano. Quincy Jones presents the Playground Sessions. It's pretty dope. It's a neat way to learn piano if you got a MIDI controller or a MIDI operated piano. Hook it up, learn some stuff. Anyways, back to the topic of the party of Quincy Jones that you're at. That was your oh my god, I'm this is my life moment. Yeah. When you tell people about it, when when you 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 know everybody's going to be like holy shit. 
I'm like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, so I was great. like, holy shit. I didn't have to tell anybody. Yeah. I was just walking around like, holy shit, holy shit, holy yeah. shit. So, yeah. Awesome. And the funny thing is, yeah, that shit happened regularly after that. I uh-huh. mean, not 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 myself showing up as a guest. Usually, I was there working, running sound, doing uh-huh. random shit. But right. that, that time, I showed up as a guest. In, yeah. And rather than, you know what I mean, doing the whole servant thing where you don't make eye contact and shit, I'm like yeah. shaking Diddy's hand and you know, nice. all the fun stuff. Nice. So... Um Wow, that's good. That's 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 awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's that was that was definitely the wow moment. So, so after that moment, take us from Gopher to the next level. Where where do you go from from studio? I'm sorry, studio runner. Yeah, yeah, to, Gopher studio runner, whatever you want to, to call it. To uh, um, the next level. So this is Interscope. So the next episode. Right. So it, <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Nate Dog. Um, the next level for me, I guess I'll just tell you my story. I'm not going to get into the whole usual things at usual yeah, studios. Yeah, fuck usual. I've, What's the I've, guffy story? I've mentioned it before. Interscope was not your typical studio because it is also In-house. part of a record label. Exactly. Right, right. So my progression from there, um, I went from runner um, to assistant engineer when I was basically the guy that's plugging everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, the engineer is the guy that sits at the console, presses record, adjusts the levels, does the EQs, compressors, all that stuff. And then the assistant is the guy that he turns to and says, hey, plug the vocal chain into this compressor. And so you go over to this huge patch bay that if you know you haven't been there and know how everything's hooked up, looks like a damn spaceship. It's pretty uh, intimidating. It's yeah, it's very intimidating, and you're like a like an old school uh, operator, like connecting patches to wow. different, and you're going. I'm talking, you know, hundreds of different possible inputs here. Wow, so. and I'm probably pretty high pressure there because if you oh. plug the wrong one oh. in, he's gonna oh. be like, "What's oh, this pressure. amateur? Oh, What's this amateur <laughs> doing?" Right? Yeah. So I went from that um, to editing engineer, basically, and the editing engineer is. God, I did a little bit of everything. So everything from, I mean, the easiest thing to explain is like radio edits. If you have songs where there's curse words in it and they're going to radio, obviously you have to remove those curse words. Somebody mm-hmm. has to do that. That was my job for a while. Um, I also did uh, recording. So I was recording radio drops. So artists would come in and... Question. Yeah. Who makes the call that that's not safe for radio? Like, Because uh, mm. sometimes I hear... Jesus. The dog is letting them go right now. Uh, I'm, I'm holding my, the dog in my lap, and he's just blasting them off. It's like I'm trying to maintain my composure. He's not having it, man. But um, so okay, so so basically, how do you make that call? Uh, that call like this is not safe for radio because sometimes I hear songs, and I I don't want to say that it's like uh, biased against rap or rappers mm-hmm. or something, but sometimes you hear songs on on rock music. Yeah. And it's like, how did they it's say just, that? Like, what's that one song? It's like, closing the goddamn door. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, if a rapper says goddamn, that shit is like bleeped, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like, who makes that call? Um, that's, I don't think there's one person. Is there a that list that you had call. to go through and say? When I'm making the edits, yes, there was a list that was made. I know that I can tell you that for, for different purposes, there are different edits that need to be made. Mm-hmm. So, so if this song is going to be played on MTV, mm-hmm. there's one version of it. Um, if it's going to be played on BET, there's a slightly more dirty version of it. Right, Because right. BET was a little more edgy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you yeah. didn't have to take out all your goddams for BET. Right. Um, and, you know, and and in different radio markets, I'm sure that there were... There uh, definitely is. 
Yeah, so if you, yeah. I'm sure if you go to the, you know, Bible I mean, Belt, they're probably yeah. bleeping out oh, every dude. other word. Well, well here's here's the funny part. I noticed this too. This is my time in radio because I, I have a background in radio mm-hmm. from Indiana before I moved to California, and uh, that uh, it's almost offensive. There would be songs that are supposed to have people in it that would cut them completely out. Wow. Because you're a pop station, so it'd be like uh, the Lloyd Little Wayne you sure, song sure, or whatever, sure. right? Lloyd Little Wayne song without Little Wayne completely. <laughs> there would be Pitbull no song verse. like Kesha Pitbull <laughs> shit without without Pitbull. That's so funny. You know, it's like you got to cut the rapper out. If there's a speaking rhythmic part, you cut it out. Wow. Because that is not pop, and that's, uh, crazy. that's how conservative they are. Right. Um, there was uh, most recently. My wife and I went back to uh, her hometown in Florida, and there was a station that's a little bit more conservative out there, and um, they were playing a Macklemore song, and they it, it kind of did this rough jump yeah. in the song. There, it was that there's like maybe a three bar, I think it was an odd number too, so it sounded oh, weird. Boy. It sounded weird, but it was just like <laughs> the non musical like, edit. It was <laughs> it was just cut, and these lines were cut out of it, and they weren't even like I don't even think they were bad words, but it was just something that they thought could be offensive and it was just they was edited out it blew oh, my boy. mind i'm like what the fuck yeah dude? yeah like this is bullshit but i think it's worse that it happens to rap than it does anything else yeah but, yeah i but. mean rap rap definitely still has that uh you know that tint on it isn't that weird yeah. uh it's to a, a certain weird. i understand I, it i, understand I disagree with it as well stuff you know I, like I, in the in the because like okay like a nightclub right um Sometimes they don't want you to play rap, you know, and, right. and but then it's hilarious because if the club continues to do a good job of of making it bottle service and expensive, and for some reason somehow maybe keeping the crowd how they want it to, right. then you'll see people playing hip hop all the time, and right. you're like, damn, I thought I was gonna go out here and hear some, you know, right. fist pumping, you know, music, and, right. and I'm not, I'm not hearing what I what I thought I would hear right. at this bottle service club. Right. It's all hip hop and shit, yeah. and everyone loves it. So that's the weird thing. Everyone loves hip hop, yeah. but when it gets a little too hip hop in there, then everybody gets uncomfortable <laughs> that can't, that loves it. It's like yeah. like hip-hop the guys in modern. Up the window. It's like the guy that rolls up the window in in, in office, office space. space. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's like totally. fucking just singing along, and then when it gets authentic, it's right. like, fuck. Right. No, 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 not about that life. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, man. Why? Why do you think that is? Why? Why do I think that clubs with bottle service? Yeah, well, you will play a lot of such a, such a bad stigma. I mean, I mean, even it's still, the, I mean, you think? it's the kids' music. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, I guess that's kind of transitioned into EDM now. It's mm-hmm. more like the kids' music than when I was a kid. But yeah, it's definitely not as edgy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, sonically it is, but as far as like the contents of the lyrics and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I know. It's more about sex and stuff now. I mean, if you like compare. It's very sex driven now. Totally. Rather than like, I'm going to shoot this right. fool. Right. There's no, yeah, I don't know of any gangster dubstep artists. Right, right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> hell no. No, no, not like that. I mean, like, yeah, that stuff is crazy, too, because it's like the twerk music and like the right. EDMs kind of get into this trap mo- right. movement. So Which now is kind of close to... It's very... It, it's, it's, it's hilarious. They hijacked the term right. trap. Yeah. No, I remember... Trap to me and you is like yeah. T.I., you yeah, know? Exactly. Like, like, that's trap. Yeah. And... Uh, you know that southern hip hop. You right. know, not not this electronic version of trap. And it's funny because the electronic <laughs> trap is made by people that would again probably be oh, scared yeah. as shit if Definitely. they really went into. Uh, I don't think the they. Tra- I don't think they understand where the uh, the 
the no, term comes from, not like at what all. it actually not means. At all. They're just like, oh, these hi hats are <laughs> peeing really yeah, fast exactly. right here. Yeah, I can no. do that. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know. One of the things that I'm trying to do over the past, I'd say it's been two years straight now that I'm trying to do this is like, um, heard it said by somebody that it's art is art and it's never wrong art is just art yeah, totally so if you watch a movie and it's a shitty movie you know it's it's art somebody probably art, likes that you know someone <laughs> likes it you know there's lifetime movies mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. people like that you know mm-hmm. even though i don't like it so i'm trying not to hate you know and totally. i mean fuck people saying you know all oh, the haters are gonna hate you know and that's true hey you know you sure. haters hate and you know cat williams says you're not doing anything right if you don't have haters and that's true you know sure. people are gonna hate on you if you do something you put out a product they judge it that's cool and i'm trying to not hate myself because i think everybody has a little hater in them like i yeah. don't know anybody that doesn't hate yeah. <laughs> you can't tell me that you're not a hater everybody listening you, you you're a hater if you're listening to this you know you're a hater about something. Haters you know, you stand hate, up. You could hate haters stand up. It's okay. You gotta own it now. I'm trying to own my hating, but I'm also trying to hate less. I'm trying to go. Okay, that's just how it is. That's how they like it. That's yeah. what's going on. Right. So that that way I can kind of like analyze it. And I feel take like a this few deep breaths, and then try to implement anything if I can take anything from it. Try to implement it myself. And see, that's where I think you draw the line between hate and you know your opinion. Like, hate in the traditional sense where people say haters is people that, like, go out of their way to find stuff to not like. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you don't like something and you're trying to find something about it you like, yeah. you, that's not that's, that's not an a opinionated. Yeah, I like exactly. That. Okay, okay. So and you're you, trying to understand just, it, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's, if you just seek it out and you're just like... If you're looking like, for shit to get yeah, pissed like, off let's go about, to the mall and make right. fun of this. Yeah, that that's right. terrible, people. That's okay, that's terrible hater. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, lo- there is right. a line to be I like that. So, okay, I'm not hating. I guess I'm just opinionating. Don't hate, opinionate. Absolutely. All right. You need an opinion. Yeah. And without hate, there's no love. Yeah. Just drop that bomb on So I guess we need the haters, too. Haters need love too. I need to, we need to make a t-shirt company, I think. Yes, we do. There's about 12 sayings we probably did on right. this podcast. <laughs> but, um, wow. Okay, so now um, let's get back to the music and let's get back to from going from being the audio editor with the cuss words yeah. to being uh, the next step. What was the next step uh, for you as a career? Um I pretty much topped out in the engineer world at editing engineer. I did, I was a recording engineer on, you know, a handful of sessions. So I was the guy behind the board uh, a few times, but it was around that time when I was transitioning into the recording engineer role that um, I had a, like a growing discontent with everything. Ooh, this gets to the story I like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. Speaking of hate, I don't want to come off too haterific. So let me express my opinion. Uh, the environment I was in in Los Angeles, um, the whole entertainment industry in general. Um, I toxic. mean, it it is what it is. It's it's entertainment. Toxic. It's entertainment. So inherently, that's not very deep. It's not very. Um, you know, it doesn't satisfy your soul. Meaning, you're not doing that kind of work when you're doing popular music. It's, right. 
you're trying to push a product and especially maybe it's a different thing if you're at a you know an independent studio and you're doing independent music you know it's a completely different story but working at a large music label you got to think about that's a business who who sells a product to consumers right so that's when you get the whole art business clash and art versus business and that yeah that's been a theme theme throughout my adult life for sure is is trying to find the balance between art and business yeah and uh you know interscope or, or large labels are definitely the far side of the spectrum business heavy <laughs> right art art is not their main concern so um that had started to build up in me at the same time um some of the guys that were my mentors like the guys you look up to who are doing it who are you know as far as engineers go yeah um two of them passed away you know under the age of 61 was in his 50s so you're like all right he was kind of but not i mean he's 50 that's yeah still, that's not, the other guy was 40 yeah you know these and you know people some people die young it just kind of came at a time that i was already kind of getting iffy about is this really what I want to do? Yeah. And then you follow that up with like, you know, two of the no. two of the best guys. There's a lot of shitty people in entertainment, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like there's a ton of shitty people. There's not very many really good guys. Yeah. And uh these two guys were definitely two two really good guys. Good hearted, good yeah. real people, yeah. right? Like these are real people. Absolutely. They cared about people that didn't necessarily uh probably didn't necessarily benefit them to care about they got it they they just got it you know some people get it some people don't get it yeah they got it they you know they were the dudes but they would still you know talk to the runners as Mm -hmm. if they were human beings yeah ask them about their life which doesn't sound like that much but when you're in that environment it's a big fucking deal yeah because you know everybody else is like not only not talking to these lower people but like almost like offended at their presence at times depending on who the person is so when you have somebody that's in a higher position there and you know it's a successful grammy nominated grammy winning engineer yeah it's you know asking you about your family it's like you know it's cool they're just cool people yeah for sure so yeah shout out uh bill bill dooley and tal herzberg i just got to say the names rather than these guys yeah that's great you want to look up their discographies feel free they're fucking legends do it again uh bill dooley and he <laughs> he did uh, most of his big stuff was like 80s 90s but then tal herzberg um who was ron fair's main engineer for years so you know think all the all the pop stuff that ron fair has done christina aguilera pussycat dolls mm-hmm. on and on and on enrique nice. iglesias you know it goes yeah. on and on and on cool but yeah cool Good guys they excellent passed too soon huh? way too soon and, and uh still are, they're still here though you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> their work is and that's yeah. i mean i think that that's really what we uh if i think everybody wants to leave something behind that uh at least lets you know lets other people know that want to know about you that you were here yeah so having some kind of trail left behind that people can look back on is is uh is something i think we all aspire to absolutely and those guys definitely did it, and I think I, I think the biggest trail, yeah, they have their discographies, which are easy for you to look up. But I think what's what's a bigger deal to me is the impact that they had on people's lives. Right, those people like those yourself, that exactly. lives on. Yeah, those rippling that, effects, you know, right. last it lives for on. generations. It tr- it affects how you treat people uh, going forward. What you, yeah, exactly. That's 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 awesome to so, change people's 
behavior if they think totally. about something like wait a minute yeah i'm gonna ask this guy oh that's so how. funny we we uh all the guys at the studio there when when Dooley passed we you know we would always say what would bill do so nice. it's like the, you know what would wwjd yeah it was yeah what would bill do nice yeah nice. still think about that sometimes that's awesome man yeah you said, but you but, said he he was one of them was actually in the studio, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. One was well, he was actually there. There were technically they built a second studio while mm-hmm. I was working there. Yeah, which was across the street uh, there in Santa Monica. So if you know the area, it's uh, you know Colorado is the street in Santa Monica. Across Colorado is the second studio that they built out after mm-hmm. they had you know already had the first one. And yeah, he, his heart went out basically crossing the street to oh go to, to go to the other studio. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's young too. 40s? Yeah. He, he, he was in his fifties. I don't 50s? know exactly what his age yeah, was, but, but still, geez, did he smoke? Uh, yeah, he was a smoker. Yeah. Do you smoke? Um, I want to say no. I, I smoked for 10 years. The beginning of this year, I went a solid six month stretch without a cigarette. Mm-hmm relapsed a little bit yeah i mean I think i'm smoking like a cigarette a day right now yeah Get have you tried the electronic ones uh i did a while ago didn't like them when mm, filming not that i didn't like them it's just if i'm gonna quit i don't want to replace it with another habit i want to just ah uh, you got it. that strong will man you're like well, if it's, it's all or nothing. I, I did six months for well, yeah, six months but, I did. but i mean your <laughs> principles are there you know yeah. what i mean you're like well if i'm not if i if it's it, it it's not you're not trying to replace it if right. you can if, kick the habit you can if totally. you can't you're not gonna kick it yeah if i'm gonna replace it it's gonna be with you know working out or something that, that yeah you know, will better me yeah <laughs> for sure so not that there's anything wrong well i guess the jury's out i don't we haven't had these vapes around so we don't know what their long-term effects will be but yeah well, well i mean other- hands down i think that electronic cigarettes are i mean it's got to be better, you know, even yeah, if something I, yeah. is bad in it. Because yeah. I, I, th- I believe that kind of probably everything causes cancer. If you ate too much paper, yeah. it would probably cause cancer. <laughs> you uh, live too long, you know. <laughs> you're gonna get, yeah, you're gonna catch that cancer. You know, uh, you know. And another thing, I think that it's like you got to stay moving, man. Mm-hmm. You got to stay goal oriented, and you got to stay moving. And uh, um, like one of the things that really gets me sometimes is like the whole like love bird thing. Uh, like uh, Johnny Cash and died right, and then his okay. wife died not too long after. Yeah, okay. And there's been a lot of instances of somebody yeah. that's a long time with somebody totally. and married, and then they they one goes and the other one goes, you yeah. know. And then um, uh, also like the love of your labor, like Charles Schultz. I love peanuts. If yeah. you don't know this about me, absolutely love <laughs> the peanuts Charlie Brown cartoon. Okay, love that stuff. The comics, all that. Growing up, reading. Every time, every week, I used to read it. Uh, you know, he was fighting cancer. Yeah. Uh, decides to give up the strip. Yep. Right, pretty much almost right after he gives up the strip. You know, right. it, it's it's done. Right. You know? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. That is, it's While it's crazy, it's not really that surprising. Yeah. It's like, you know, especially when you get to an older age where, you know, eventually we all die. That's the, that's the yeah. nature of the beast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, you yeah. Get, when you get that... To that point, you know, I mean, who knows what small thing could just tip the scale and be like, oh, today's the day. You know? Yeah. And if you take something that's, you know, your lifelong work or your lifelong partner and you take that away, that's not just a small, you know. Yeah. That's, that's not just that's huge. Uh, yeah. You shouldn't have smoked that cigar. That's like, a, you know, your whole life has and, and your whole life when you're that old is a lot different than 
our whole lives yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's an entire lifetime. Yeah, that's that's so. Wild. Yeah, that is that's but, an interesting uh, phenomenon, though. Yeah, I like to just stay working, working hard. <laughs> you know, got a goal. Nose to the grinding. Stuff. I am not happy. I just, you know, I mean, I'm happy. I'm a, I'm probably one of the happiest guys in the world. But uh, as far as like total contentment with life and how things yeah. turned out, and yeah, there's bad parts. But I mean, I'm cool. You know, I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. yeah uh, but uh, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and but I think that there's a lot more that I want to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? For sure. And that I would like to do. And so that keeps me motivated to just kind of keep going. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. When uh, one of the few things my, well, well that, that sounded bad. Uh, something my dad told me that uh, stuck with me was that you shouldn't, you should never stop learning until the day that you die. Nice. So you try and, you know, learn as much as you can. I know our culture has us going to school until we're 18 and then college until we're yeah 22 i'm 30 now i'm back in school now right. you know what i mean so I, right. I'd, I'd probably like to be taking some sort of education at least for the next like 20 years <laughs> nice well that, that's cool you know what do you think about what's fun is is that like uh you know you used to have to go to school to learn certain things okay yeah. so you start talking about you going to recording and everything like that i really want to get into uh something else but first i'm gonna grab you another beer oh what a guy the the greatest host there ever was side of the desk so i just got james a beer Fresh. continuing the conversation he's got a newcastle i do love how they put uh sayings under the bottle caps that makes it more fun to drink uh okay. you gave him a session at first is with the first beer that he had i like that beer my wife discovered that and the bottom of that bottle cap had um uh, has paper, rock, and scissors hands on it, and so if you're drinking with other people, multiple sessions, you can kind of play paper, rock, scissors. It's kind of fun. The Newcastle I just opened said "You won bottle cap zero. So let's keep winning and keep Raji this, Rabbit with another win. We're gonna keep winning, and we're gonna keep uh, this podcast winning because it's pretty a kick ass. We're here live with Mr. James Guffey. Uh, now, what about your uh, recording projects? Because I'm sure after the engineering, well, first of all, you, you got disenchanted with engineering after seeing two of your colleagues pass away. Yeah. And, um, you know, did, did what was the attitude that, that, that a lot of people have in, in recording? I mean, do, do people get burned out and get all like, oh, um, yeah. get all like yeah. oh, I got to fucking do this today. Yeah, so this artist is pain. And I don't know if you've worked... Uh, food and beverage have you done any restaurant jobs oh yeah okay uh in your restaurant jobs was it have you worked at like a nice restaurant that had like a head chef have no. you ever okay so i have <laughs> and recording engineers and any of you that you know work in food and beverage and know these prima donna chefs that i'm talking about i mean you see gordon ramsay right, you see right. those guys you know the yeah persona that the head chef has he's stressed yes. the fuck out he's pulling his hair out he's screaming he's sweating yeah that's basically like an engineer wow most of most of the recording engineers i'm sure that's not true for everyone i'm sure you know i've met a couple that are incredibly calm under pressure mm -hmm. but um the majority of them um they get quite bitter because especially as a recording engineer you're you're there for long hours you know who knows when you're going to get a call to get a session you can i've gotten calls at four in the morning to be like you know we're going to the record plant right now and we need an engineer so it's wow. like 
Granted, I guess with more successful engineers, they probably have more of a set schedule, but even then, you're doing a lot of work and you're not getting a lot of credit. Right. Because, I mean, can you name one dope recording engineer? Um, Me just, neither. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Me neither. There's there's no the big guys names. They sell the plugins probably, you know. Like yeah, but see, most, or most of those are like mixing engineers. The mixing yeah, okay. engineers, your your Jack Joseph Puig's, your yeah. you know, all of those guys, totally. Um, but they're not they're not recording. You know, the recording that's totally the unsung heroes. The guys that lay in there the and lay it down. down they're there for the record. entire process of recording, mm-hmm. which can be laborious especially with pop songs when you're trying to get people to sing that can't necessarily sing that well mm-hmm. <laughs> wow um and yeah it, you know so like air traffic controller stress kind of levels or like well, i've never done that but well, uh they yeah, say that's get, one of the most stressful jobs really? in the world interesting yeah that's one of the most because you have well, very yeah, you, short like doctors can't they can't sleep you, you cannot fuck up you cannot mess yes. that up i get it okay so yeah, and you that can't sleep sense. either. They have you work long hours, and you don't get a lot of sleep. So these yeah. guys are all. Oh yeah, there's there's plenty of times that you sleep at the studio. You don't go mm-hmm. home. That that happens fairly yeah. regularly. That would be interesting to pull some people on uh, the audio recording engineers yeah. and put their stress tests up against uh yeah up, to, up against aircraft traffic controllers. And that would like, be interesting. Maybe like uh, cops responding to a call or something, and seeing like yeah well, how much stress is that? Because I don't think people will understand. That sounds like a, an interesting study. That I wish I had the funds and means. Somebody to do <laughs> put together that study. If you're listening, put together That's that legit. study. Yeah, because I mean, the th- the thing with being an engineer, like I said, you, you don't get any credit. So right. you, you could record. You know, people have recorded. You could think of your favorite song ever, legendary songs. You know. Yeah. You don't know who recorded that. Right. Yeah, you get a little credit on the CD sleeve, but we don't even have CDs anymore. So yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe you're checking the credits on iTunes. Yeah, digital but no, books. Yeah. No, you're not. Nobody is. Nah. So no credit, and all of the pressure is on you during that entire session. Um, a lot of these big sessions, there's you know they're still being run on recording consoles, mm-hmm. which the necessity for a recording console, my opinion is that they're not really that necessary for popular music mm-hmm. anymore, unless you're doing big band stuff. But that's that's a tangent. But you got to be able to run this large mixing console that has audio running through it on multiple tracks it's running into it and then it's coming out of it and going into different gear and then it's coming out of that gear coming back into the recording console you know what i mean there are a lot of different areas for Mm -hmm. something to get messed up yeah and if something gets messed up there's nobody else in the room that's taking heat for that except except for the man in the chair and that could be done by somebody in the previous session yeah, absolutely. So some other recording engineer, mm-hmm. or even um, uh, yeah, they they could be there laying it down, and they could just jack it up yeah. accidentally, or forget to plug something back in. Totally. And then, ha- when, oh man, and happens when, all the time. And then when your guys there, big name, Mister, you know, yeah. why isn't he's like, why isn't this getting done? Yeah, why isn't this getting done? You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you know? and you, you, you like could be a- the dopest engineer ever, but to troubleshoot something like that the number of points at which something could be haywire is yeah. just massive yeah it's it's really interesting like when i went to school for it i almost like scoffed at the term engineer cause I'm like i'm recording music like i'm not really an engineer when yeah. you think about engineer you're like you know they're designing and yeah all this yeah. crazy stuff but then once i you know sat behind one of those consoles and was like thinking about the signal flow of 
you know, that person's voice going through that microphone into the wall, out the other side of the wall, through that cable, into the back of that, and, you know, following that signal. Yeah. And just in your head, you have to imagine it. You can't, the console's not see-through. You can't actually see that signal going through there. Yeah. You just have, like, a blueprint in your head of where this thing is going. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it, you know, actually there is some clout to that term engineer when you think about it that way. Yeah. So... Yeah. So stressful job. Where where did you go after you decide what what? So the final final straw was the deaths, or what was the final final uh, straw? No, the when... final the final straw was my cousin getting married in Costa Rica. Okay. <laughs> my cousin. That's where uh, they make dinosaurs for Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's man. Magic happens in Costa Rica. <laughs> if you haven't been to Costa Rica, there's no. Okay, so two things that I, if you get anything from this, go travel somewhere by yourself to somewhere where you don't speak the language without a plan. Okay, that's number one. Do that. Number two, go to Costa Rica. Those are the two things I highly recommend to everybody on the planet. Costa Rica, um, just like, um, you know, the untimely deaths of those engineers, that trip, going to watch my cousin get married in this beautiful tropical country, um, just came at that right time where basically I was standing on the breaking point and you know, fell off of it and into the ocean there. <laughs> um, it was complete culture shock. When I went to Europe, it wasn't really any culture shock. I didn't speak the language, but everything was very similar to here in the States. Right. Uh, Costa Rica was anything but, um, I can't even describe, like, to try... In and, a good way, it's beautiful, or in like a, this is very uh, um, uh, primitive, like, Oh, I'm beating a coconut in the ground. Kind definitely of way. in a good way. Okay, um, in a good, beautiful so, environment. Right. So as I was getting fed up with the entertainment industry and the city of LA in general, honestly, even if you're not in entertainment, LA um, can really get to you. And honestly, mm-hmm. like it sounds like, I mean, the one thing everyone says is the traffic. Right. You know, and you think, yeah, traffic sucks, but it's not like a do or die thing, or like, you know, it's not gonna dictate my entire experience in LA it completely does I don't know have you ever lived in LA uh no I've been to LA to visit some friends so you know visiting I don't know what your experience was like but it's it can be it can be great it can be great visiting living there and on a daily basis like the stress of the city and and the traffic is a major part of it um it was just big on me and I'm sure some people you know aren't as affected by it as i was but yeah yeah, it it weighed on me um so you you go from that environment and la is probably one of the fastest paced you know yeah aside from like new york yeah right we are still in california yeah can't be all that bad (laughs) we're still like dude but i'm a california you know i was raised in southern california so for me la is like the most hectic place on the planet go from that environment to costa rica which is basically the polar opposite of that um there is like i don't even know if they understand what hurry means like that's just like not in their culture they don't get it like they're saying is pura vida which which means pure life um and i don't even know how to equate that into english really it's kind of like saying cheers i guess here like you say that just kind of as a greeting as whatever it's kind of it's like their motto but they say it you know for different things and it's just like a very relaxed calm everything is okay there's no need to rush like the opposite of stress i don't know what that word is but whatever the opposite of stress tranquility maybe there you go 
um, was just a, like, you know, melting out of that culture. And I f- absorbed it and loved every so, second So of it. you absorbed the tranquility. You loved Costa Rica. It's awesome. But what makes you go, well, I'm going to quit my job because I've been to Costa Rica? Uh, <laughs> well, that was the that was the tipping point. And once I experienced that and understood that uh, cultures are, are different, mm-hmm. different places, um, I decided that rather than continue on the path of trying to be an engineer, actually, I wasn't even trying to be an engineer. I was trying to be a producer. Right. I haven't even talked about that. But I was producing at the same time. While I was working at Interscope, I was producing for other artists and stuff. Uh-huh. But the whole environment there, you know, I realized that, it wasn't for me and I needed to go see what all these other things were about. Like the experience I got in Costa Rica, aside from just loving their culture, which is like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm sure there's other amazing cultures out there. I just happened to experience this one. I did some research on the country. Like they don't have a standing military. I don't even understand how you can do that in today's age, but yeah, they're obviously not invading any countries or any shit like that. Cause they don't even have an army. Um, but yeah, it just, it just made me realize that there was a lot out there that I wanted to experience Nice, that I wouldn't be able to if I stayed. Right. So if you stay at the hustle and bustle of the job, it's Mm -hmm. going to keep you so tied up and Mm -hmm. so stressed out that Mm -hmm. you're never going to have time to indulge in, in, in the, the, the other parts of life that you really can't, uh, did I, did hold I, you can't you can't put them you can't buy oh, yeah. it you can't capture absolutely. it forever it's just it's something you got to experience and absolutely. those things are important to you absolutely cool. and and you know discovering discovering those things is like an eye-opening experience mm-hmm. you know because if you never experience culture shock or you know something similar to that where you have an experience that is so unlike the you know previous 25 years of your life yeah that it makes you question everything you've been doing. Yeah. You know, then you stay, your world doesn't get any bigger. Right. It just stays where it is. Yeah. Um, and expanding, you know, expanding your world is so, you know, it's like the embodiment of adventure, which just, you know, makes me feel like a fucking kid again. Like I'm grinning just yeah. talking about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Adventure, man. Mm. Yeah. Adventure. Adventure. It is fun. Oh, 